Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, welcome or welcome back to Freedom Slay Podcast. Excited to have you here. Like the intro said, make sure you're sticking around by hitting that subscribe button. Today, we're going to be talking about five lessons that I've learned in my first year of full-time entrepreneurship. While I've been in the business for five years, I've been full-time in this thing for a year now. In fact, April 4th, 2020 would make an entire year that I've been working full-time in my business. Now, before we get into the lessons I've learned in the year, I want to briefly touch on a really big lesson I learned while side hustling it first, and that's about trigger moments. You know those moments where you want to curl up in a ball and disappear for a short bit. Maybe your boss says something that rubs you the wrong way, or maybe your co-worker is trying to throw you under the bus again. Or maybe it's a moment when a customer at your place of employment was rude AF and you cried your eyes out in frustration and anticipation for leaving. I get it. I want you to know that all of those moments, every single one that I noted and others that still trigger those same feelings, that feeling of frustration, anger, disappointment in yourself, wanting to leave that nine to five, All of those things, they happen for a reason. They're like divine nudges to keep you from getting too comfortable there. And they're needed in order for you to make that final leap once you've secured the bag. So I want you to, when you get in those moments, just remember what I'm saying right now and say to yourself, you know what? Thank you. That is a trigger moment and I acknowledge it. I'm ready to push on. And I'm not speaking from some high horse here either. I had so many of those moments and even more when it got to the time of me leaving. I mean, once I made the decision and handed in my resignation, then of course they all went out the window because I wasn't worrying about anything at that point. But I've had those moments where I sat at my desk like, WTF, why am I here? Why am I letting that person speak to me like this? I should have said that. I should have said that. You know, I don't know if you're like this, but I know for me, for sure, when someone is rude or, you know, someone speaks to you out of pocket, right? When they come to you and a step to you in the wrong way, sometimes you're so shocked that you don't necessarily have all the words. Trust me, I'm pretty quick with my mouth, so I did have some words, but when they leave, you're able to really digest it. And you, you're like, I should have said this. I should have said it like this. And all these other things start coming to you. And I had a lot of those moments, like I said, especially towards the end of me working. And I can promise you that they're trigger moments because every time they happened, it was always at a time where I was starting to enjoy what I was doing again, or I was at least comfortable with it. And I'm like, oh, you know, this isn't as bad as I thought. Every time I got to a place when it was like that, where things weren't too bad, that's when these trigger moments happened, when I really sat back and looked at it, and I realized that they were happening for this very reason, so that I did not get comfortable, and that they triggered me to do what it took to get up out of there. And I have to put this disclaimer in here. I wasn't working at a terrible place, right? But I feel like when we, and when I say we, I mean us creators, creatives, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial spirited individuals, when we are somewhere that isn't our 
final destination when it's somewhere that's not where we're meant to be and we aren't living to our full potential and we aren't doing all the things we were put on this earth to do that's when these moments happen. So you can work at Google because I hear Google's a pretty amazing place to be working. They have slides and spas and all the things. But if that isn't meant for you, you're going to have these trigger moments even in the best of places. So I had to put that disclaimer out there. I was not working at a terrible place. I wasn't mistreated. But there were definite moments that were wake up calls to me because I felt like this just isn't it. This isn't life. And, you know, I shouldn't be spoken to this way or whatever. It didn't happen often. But those moments, everyone has those moments in their job where someone rubs them the wrong way or someone's rub them the wrong way. And when those moments happened, that's when I had that trigger moment to be like, I, I got it. I got it. I'm listening. It's time to get up out of here. Now, with that side hustle lesson out of the way, let's get into the five lessons that I've learned in my first year of business. Lesson number one is that hard work doesn't equal more money. And this was a pretty confusing lesson to learn because I've been programmed and so many of you listening to this, I'm sure as well, have been programmed to believe hard work equals better results. And I've learned that it's not hard work, but it's more so smart, intentional, aligned work that does. And it took a lot of mindset work. But beyond that, also understanding that there are many people that work hard and make scraps, right? So when we look at things like that, we know that it can't be hard work. There are people who work, you know, physical labor jobs many, many hours in the day in the hot sun, they're working hard as crap, but they aren't always getting the best results financially. So hard work doesn't equal more money. It's the smart, intentional, aligned work that does. And I think what really made this one so hard for me to let go, this concept about working hard equals better results, is because I even included information about the importance of working hard in my first book. And I had to step back and realize that we all evolve, our thoughts evolve, who we are as individuals evolves. So change is not only expected, but necessary in order for us to grow. So I had to let that go. And I remember the moment when I did. It wasn't too long after I left my job, actually, because it was cherry season in Bermuda. We have Suriname cherries all over at a certain time, actually around the springtime. So it wasn't very long after I left. And I remember taking time away from my laptop, going outside with like a Tupperware container, Tupperware type container, and just picking cherries, wild cherries all around. And it was the most freeing feeling ever. I'm like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is the freedom that I was seeking when I left my job. And that day, I was so much more intentional in the days to follow as well about the breaks I took. I was so much more intentional about what I was focusing my attention on. And I actually worked less. So I did less work, but that work was so much better. And that work, because it was intentional, was connecting better with my audience. And that was my biggest month financially up until that point. And I made it a point to continue to stay in that zone 
of chill. Now, I've always been pretty chill in my business. I like to use Denise Duffield Thomas's word, chillpreneur, because that's what I like to consider myself as. I do not hustle, 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 grind, grind, grind. I don't believe in that. There are times and seasons for it for sure, especially at the beginning of your journey, but it should not be 365. Any successful business is going to require work. I don't want to trick you into believing that it doesn't. You, you have to work. Any success is going to require that you work, but I just don't want you to feel as if you have to exhaust yourself in the process every single day of your life. That's not living. But back to the point, it was when I was cherry picking that it all started to make sense because I started spending a lot less time in the business and a lot more time on me. A lot of the success that we see manifested in businesses really comes from the work that they're doing on a spiritual level, the work that they're doing on a mental level, how they're connecting with themselves and a higher power, the work that they're doing to evolve what it is that they know. And as you continue to evolve, you're able to acknowledge past concepts that you had completely wrong, like thinking that only people that work hard make it. So instead of keeping myself ridiculously busy doing little tasks that used to be frustrating, really a lot of admin, a lot of all the things that you think are super necessary in your business until you step back and realize that the real things that move the needle are the connections. The real things that move the needle are the revenue generating activities, right? And that's what I focused my attention on doing those things. So that was the work I focused on. And in my other time, I was making sure that I was intentional about taking walks, about connecting with loved ones, about meditating, about reading, about doing things that I enjoyed. Because if I'm leaving my full-time job to be a full-time entrepreneur, just to be doing the same thing and trapped to a spot, a location, a desk or whatever for eight hours a day, then that's not life to me. So it's really also about figuring out what does life mean for you? What does freedom mean for you? And what do you really want to spend your time doing? What are the things that bring you joy? So I focused on the things that mattered to move the needle in my business and the things that mattered to me as an individual and found a way to fuse the two by spending a lot less time on the little tasks that were not necessary that I thought were super important. So that's how it happened. So I do want to always give you the overview, like hard work doesn't equal more money, smart, intentional, aligned work does. But I want to let you know what it looks like too, what that means. That means instead of spending all morning going through emails and sorting out things like that, it was putting 20 minutes aside in my calendar and saying, this is what I'm going to focus on. The important emails I'll respond back to. I'm not going to stress myself out about anything else. Giving myself short chunks of time for those little tasks and then focusing the main chunk of my work time on the things that matter to generate revenue for the business. And to give you an idea of what this looked like, honestly, I was not spending more than four hours per day on my business, okay? And to this day, I still do not spend more than four hours per day on my business. And on Fridays, I very, very, very seldomly work on business stuff. Like I said before, of course, there are going to be seasons where it's going to require you to work more or longer or harder. And that's just the ebb and flow of life. Like when I'm doing launches or when I have my book stuff coming up and things like that, it's going to require more work. But in those seasons that don't, I don't force it. And because I don't force it, money flows to my business. So that was lesson one. I'm going to try to be quicker with the others, okay? <laughs> so lesson two is when you care, when you genuinely care about the outcome your client gets, 
you benefit most. And of course, this is something I understood before. At least I thought I understood. I understood it at a conceptual level. However, it wasn't until after I left my job that I truly got it and began seeing the benefit of it. I cared before I left my job, but I really cared once I left. I was able to really hone in and focus on what my customer is going to get out of every single thing that I put out there. Once I truly dug into the work and I really was connected to when I was creating the content, I wasn't focused on how much I was going to make off of it. That wasn't the top focus. Of course, I had financial goals for some things, right? But that wasn't the top focus. The top focus is what is the person who consumes this, the person that purchases this, what is that person going to get out of it? And how can I ensure they get the very most of that out of it? And I feel like it's an energetic thing as well. When you truly are pouring your soul into a project, the person on the other end can feel that. They can feel the love in it. That's why people say like when you speak to old old school grannies, right? They're like, oh, I put love in this food. So it's the same concept. People can feel the love in it. And beyond that, when you're giving your all into a product and we know that products and services are all created to, at the end of the day, solve problems for clients. So when you're really pouring your all into it, you're solving that problem better than anything, right? And what that does is create that spiral where they are then telling their friends, create that ripple effect more so. That's a better better example than a spiral. Spirals go down, right? So no, it creates that ripple effect that has them telling that one person who then tells another person and another person and then another person. And it creates that steady stream for you of clients who are really benefiting from what it is that you have to offer. And it's truly a ripple effect because from those individuals that are now talking about what it is that you have to offer, not only are you getting a more steady stream of clients, but you're starting to attract media attention. You're starting to be able to grow your business and expand and get your message in front of an audience that you weren't able to before. So it's all connected, but it starts from genuinely caring. And at the beginning of your journey, it could be tough to not focus on what your financial outcome is going to be, because that's really how you a lot of times are measuring your success of your business when you can hop away from your full-time job or maybe when you can at least match the salary or at least bring in maybe your, even your first hundred or a thousand dollars from the business. These are usually the goal posts that people create. But I challenge you to start looking at instead how many success stories you can create. And you're going to realize that changing your attention from what you can get out of the business to what the business can get out of you or what people interacting with the business more so can get out of you, you're going to really see the magic happen. Okay, so that's lesson number two. When you care, when you genuinely care about the outcome your clients get, you benefit the most. Lesson two. The third lesson I learned in my first year full-time as an entrepreneur is that cash is queen. And what I mean by that is I learned just how important having cash flow is in the business. You can make a million dollars in a month, but if you're spending 999000 of that million, then you aren't making a whole lot, one, and two, you're going to be financially strapped. It's important to create healthy or have healthy margins for your business and ensure that you have that cash reserve for when unexpected expenses come up, when you have to pay others, right? Because you may have to require a contractor for a special project or whatever it is. There's so many reasons why you're going to require cash in your business. Having cash 
at hand is so important. And of course, you know, there are many ways that you can invest money in your business and reinvest money into your business. But when you're doing so, ensuring that you still have cash available. So many businesses fail in the first year and a big portion of that is because they're cash strapped. Do not allow that to happen. I actually got this advice from a multi-million dollar mentor of mine and he was saying how important it is to have this cash available because especially at times as entrepreneurs, there are going to be times when maybe one month you make 20,000, the next month you make 10 or one month you make 100,000, the next month you make zero. Like it's a, they call it an entrepreneurial roller coaster for a reason, right? And while I figured out a way to create steady streams of income, I'm not going to put my hand out and say that it's never going to come a month when it's less than it was the month before. And because of that, I want to be prepared for any case scenario, not worst case scenario, but any case scenario is what I'm aiming for. Focusing on the positive, but being prepared for anything else. So what I did because remember I told you, I like to tell you what the lesson was, then let you know what I did and how I actually applied it. So what I did at this point, because I knew my numbers, and it's important, I say this all the time, that you know yours as well, right? I know how much I have to pay in expenses every month. I know how much I roughly am going to make the next month. I have business projections as well. I know my numbers. So because I know what the expenses are, what I did was say, okay, I want to have at the very least cash that covers six months of business expenses plus six months of personal expenses. Because as a full-time entrepreneur, now you're not just covering your business expenses, you're covering all the stuff you normally pay for, your cell bill and all that kind of stuff as well. That's being fed from the business too, because you are going to be paying yourself if you're doing it right. So I had to put all of that aside as cash. So focusing, yes, on reinvesting and doing different things and invest, making investments for the business, but also ensuring that you have a nice, healthy cash reserve that really acts as a safety net. And prior to leaving my job and working full-time, I knew my numbers, I knew what my expenses were, I even had some money aside, of course, but I wasn't as focused on preserving it as I was once I learned this lesson. And what you can be doing right now, whether you're a full-time entrepreneur, side hustler, whatever, it's getting really uber focused on those numbers so that you can at least get an idea of what your expenses look like and start creating that safety net for yourself, that cash reserve. Cash is queen. Moving on to number four, who and what you surround yourself with is more important than ever. For as long as I can remember, I've been really conscious of what I surround myself with, what I'm listening to, what I'm reading, what I'm looking at, who I'm speaking to, what I'm speaking to them about. But once you're on this journey full time, you realize there's even a deeper need to grow that connection so much. And luckily, right before I left, I joined a mastermind and I was able to connect with individuals on a deeper level that are in the entrepreneurship space. I realized there's like a special community, or at least it feels like an unspoken community of people who have each other's back and they're like, look, I get it. This is the journey. You're not no longer depending on on someone else to give you ends meet, you're now ensuring that you're creating a life that allows you and your loved ones and your community to thrive. And surrounding yourself with the right people is so important. 
I, like I said, I joined a mastermind. I was also part of an accelerator program for my business. I also started forging even deeper relationships through Instagram. I hired a coach. I purchased another program. I really started getting uber intentional because like I said I was intentional before but uber intentional about what I was surrounding myself with and assuring that what I was surrounding myself with was focused on entrepreneurship more than it had been in the past as well whereas before I feel like a lot of the things I was surrounding myself with was pretty generic in nature so mindset stuff I was focused on things that helped with business in general and growing a business and starting a business which are all uber uber helpful especially depending on where you are in your journey I then realized that I needed more specialist things as I started running my business. There were certain skills that I wanted to master, and I started learning how to do those very specific things. I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because I think you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know the importance of assuring that you surround yourself with high vibe in things, high vibe in people and things that help you to grow. What I would say is aim to level up those things you're looking at. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Aim to try to find and learn from individuals who are steps above where you are right now. Aim to get courses from people who've already done what you want to do. And that is how you learn. And as an example, I had Abu Fofana on the podcast, episode five, if you haven't listened to it already, selling online ads with Abu Fofana. He's the lieutenant of marketing and he's amazing with connecting with his audience, giving massive value and also making tons of bank. Okay. He makes hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on each of his ads. And that's a specialist skill that I wanted to learn because I like giving you specific examples. I realized I said specialist things, but I didn't actually break down what that meant. I got your back. Don't you worry. So that's one of the examples of something that I decided to really hone in on because I realized that by me learning how to do this, that means that I can better reach the audience that I want to genuinely help so much. See how all of these things are connected. Clearly though, you're already about that self-improvement life because if not, you wouldn't have been listening to this podcast. What I will say though, is in addition to listening to things like this podcast, I want you to get really focused and sit down for a minute and figure out what it is that can help you move the needle in your business. Maybe it's a skill that you've been wanting to learn. Figure out who's given information on the skill. Who's the best? at it right now who can you learn from maybe it's even just an instagram follow and learning from them through their posts and stories when you're on your social media feed when you're reading books when you're looking at youtube when you're watching television or whatever it is that you're doing 
I want you to leave doing that activity feeling energized, maybe even feeling like you've learned some new things. And that's when you know that you're on the right path and that you're growing. So lesson number four is who and what you surround yourself with is more important than ever. If you're already on that self-development journey like I was, good on you, keep going, dive even deeper with it. So the fifth and final lesson that I learned in my first year of entrepreneurship was that it's okay to celebrate and in the same breath, it's also okay not to be on the struggle bus. Now allow me to explain what I mean by that. We've been taught for so long that we need to be humble in our journey and that humble people don't share when they're winning. They don't talk about their wins, but a lot of people throw that word around and aim so hard aim so hard. Is that even a thing? Whatever. We're going to go with it. Aim so hard to be humble, right? Trying to be something that they think they should be. But let me tell you what the definition of humble is. Humble, most people don't even realize it. Humble means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Is that your goal? To pretend not to be important? Humble also means a low social, administrative, or political rank. And as a verb, humble means to lower someone in dignity or importance. So a lot of times people confuse modesty and being humble. They confuse humility and being humble. But the reality is you can have humility. You can be modest and still share your wins. It's all about your intention and how you do it. Because I cannot tell you how often I've personally been motivated and inspired by hearing someone else's story. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. It's important that we share these messages of hope for others so that they can see themselves in our stories. Don't worry about rubbing somebody the wrong way. That person you're rubbing the wrong way is likely someone you needn't be around anyway. If someone is bothered by the way you're sharing what has happened in your life or through your journey, a success story, then that's someone that you need and be around. And when I say it's okay not to be on the struggle bus, what I mean by that statement is it's okay if you don't have a sad story. Just because when you look on social media or everywhere around you, someone's given a super hardship story. If you don't have a dire story, that doesn't mean that your story isn't important. Just because you didn't get abused or you didn't get fired and had to figure it out or you didn't, you know, you weren't a single mom or whatever, just because you didn't have that struggle part in your story doesn't mean that your story is irrelevant, okay? And I believe if we dig deep enough, we can all find hardships in our story. That's the reason we have shaped into the individuals we are today. But hardships don't mean a necessarily hard life. You don't have to continuously share that story in order to feel as if you're relevant. Your story is relevant because it's yours. And right now, more than ever, I find it's popular in marketing to try to provide a false controversial narrative. And with that, I mean, I'm saying a whole lot of things that I have to clarify, right? Because this is what makes sense in my head. So work with my brain right now. What I mean by a false controversial narrative is they write their marketing copy. So copy of the words that come on, whether you see it on social or the website or wherever, 
wherever you see words that have something to do with their business, right? They have these things that appear to be controversial, like I'm just gonna come out and say it. However, what the words they say aren't that controversial. They tend to be things that the majority of the population already believe to be true. So when I come out and say something, it's something that's gonna ruffle feathers and that's fine. But a lot of people put these narratives out there because they realize that people feed on negative things. So as a random example, someone would come out and say, screw all the advice you hear, you eat whatever you want and that makes you happy. Well, if chocolate cake makes you happy and that's the only thing you're consuming, it's also gonna make you sick, right? So I think it's important that we write with integrity and that we share our hardship stories, but find a way to create a positive spin because every single post, every single thing we put out there carries a vibration. And it's important that we realize that people are gonna be interacting with our content and we have to ask ourselves, how do we want them to leave after they do so? So I share stories of struggle often. I share hardships, but I also wanna show light at the end of the tunnel because someone who's going through that, reading a hardship story isn't gonna make them feel any better, but letting them know that there's light at the other side will. So I went on a tangent just now, but hopefully you've been able to follow to bring it back to the point is it's okay to celebrate too. So you can share that hardship story, but just as you're so willing to share your hardship stories, you should be just as willing to share the wins. I don't know about you, but the struggle bus isn't where it's at. So it's time to ring the bell, get off, and leave all those other people who are uncomfortable with your success behind on it. I believe it's all about intention behind words. If you're sharing your story to make someone else feel terrible, that's gonna be felt. If you're sharing your story just to do a nanny nanny boo boo, look what I'm got, look what you don't kind of thing, that can be felt as well. People could tell when you're flexing on them, right? People can also tell when you're being greedy. We are not silly. Humans are intelligent beings. So it's okay to share your wins if you have a positive intention behind it. And the reason I say that this is a lesson that I've learned within the last year of being a full-time entrepreneur is because, believe it or not, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this, I used to worry what people would think when I shared that type of story, when I shared the wins, when I shared what happened after the struggle, when I shared my numbers. And while I did it, I always did it with a little voice in the back of my head saying, what are they gonna think? And what really changed this for me is sitting back again during the quiet time because I've made space to have lots of quiet time because I realized again, it's not important how hard you work, but how smart you're working and intentional you're working, right? So in that time and space I've created, I sat back and really thought about the individuals who reached out after hearing some of those stories, after seeing the numbers, and said that they were inspired and that because they saw me share it, that they know that it's possible for them as well. I had the chance to sit back and think about the times that I've been truly inspired and not just inspired like, oh, that was great and move on with my life, but inspired to take inspired action. And it's when I hear those stories of other wins, when I hear the stories of hardship that have light at the end of the tunnel. And when I realized that that's what inspired me, I felt that it would be a disservice to my customers to not share that information. And not just not share it, but not share it on a regular basis to give them hope. I realized that some of the most genuine 
humble, quote unquote, right? The people who have the most humility that I know are individuals who aren't afraid to share the story, their whole story, the bad, but also the good and highlight the good. I also had the chance to read one of my favorite books again, which is Oprah Winfrey's What I Know For Sure. And in that book, you know, when you read a book multiple times, but every time you read it, it's some other piece of the book that stands out. And this time I had read it after I left the job and started working in my business full time. And the part of the story that I really zeroed in on is the part where Oprah was talking about when her show was really successful and she started getting a ridiculous amount of letters and people showing up at her doorstep and basically begging her to give them money and some of her time and feeling entitled to that time and money. And she was given to charities that she felt a deep connection to. However, she was getting thousands of requests. She couldn't keep up with them. And she was afraid not to keep up with them out of fear of people thinking that she's become too big for her britches or that she forgot who, where she came from. And you know, all these stories that we create in, or in our head, these narratives we write. And she was afraid of all that. And it got to a point where she had to say, you know what? What they say doesn't matter. What I say matters. What I believe matters. I know what I'm giving. I know what I'm doing. There are always going to be people that don't believe it no matter what I do. No matter what I do, for some people that wouldn't be enough. What I need to do for my own sanity is focus on doing right by my standards. And the people that don't understand that don't want to understand that and it's no way I'm going to be able to change them. And the reason that resonated so much with me is because I was worried about sharing numbers, like I said, and sharing success stories out of fear that people may think, like who does she think she is and why she's sharing her numbers, blah, 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 all those things. And I had to do a check and say, you know what? I know why I'm sharing it. I know who I'm sharing it for and I know the intention behind why I'm doing it. And there are going to be people that don't understand and that's okay. They're not my people, right? And that's something I need you to realize as well. There are going to be people that are going to be rubbed the wrong way by what you do. And as long as your intentions are pure and you know why you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it for the greater good of all concerned, screw them. Life is about celebrating. Life is for the living. What's the point of living and achieving and being successful and doing great things if you aren't allowed to celebrate and if you aren't allowed to share in that excitement with loved ones and with those who are near and dear to you? So I guess in a nutshell, the fifth one was that I grew some cojones or more so some ovaries because that's pretty strong stuff, right? I grew some ovaries and had to say, I'm doing this because it's what I want to do. It's because I know it can help others. And there are going to be people who are offended for reals, but that's not my problem. So the fifth lesson was it's okay to celebrate and it's okay not to be on the struggle bus. So let's recap. The first thing I was saying prior to me going full-time in my business was that there are going to be trigger moments while you're working full-time. And those moments are really divine intervention so that you don't get too comfortable where you are. And then the five lessons I learned from my first year as full-time entrepreneur was one, hard work doesn't equal more money. Smart, intentional, aligned work does. Two, when you care, when you genuinely care about the outcome your clients get, you benefit most. Three, cash is queen. 
And we all know the queen wins in chess, right? At least I think she does. I don't play chess. Anyway, number four, who and what you surround yourself with is more important than ever. And five, it's okay to celebrate and it's okay not to be on that struggle bus. Hopefully you found this enjoyable and there were things that you heard me say that you were able to relate to. If that was the case, I want you to take a screenshot of this and tag me over on Instagram at Gainette. G-A-Y-N-E-T-E. Make sure your page is in private though so I can actually see the story. Talk to you soon. Okay, okay, I see you Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 